0: Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD, streaming live at wordradio.com.
1: 900 a.m. 96.1 FM WURD. Aaron Smith, the rapping professor. We are here. We are live. The 32nd annual African American Children's Book Fair at the Convention Center. Bring the young people down. Bring the children. Feed the minds of the youth to create the leaders of tomorrow. It is a very, very special event. It's, It's a holiday. It's a holiday. It's an educational, inspirational holiday. So if you didn't know what you were going to be doing or if you had other things you thought you were going to be doing, now you know the Plans have changed and you are on your way. And I know there are some young people, because you call me up all the time and talk about what the young people need to be doing and what they're not doing and what they need to be doing today is coming down to the convention center and you can play a part in that and make sure you can change a life today, change a mind today, change a community today, change a nation and change the world. Future leaders are readers. 32nd annual African-American Children's Book Fair. I am the rapping professor and I am here. It says here, Philly born philly bread i'll make sure i get that right is is that is that the case case? okay okay i can't i can't play with that now sharon g flake welcome to the show talk to us a little bit about your journey as an author and then tell me a little bit about some of the books that you'll have available today
2: Well, um, I was born here in North Philadelphia. I was born here in North Philadelphia. Um, Went to college and discovered I had a gift for uh, writing. Where'd you go? Where'd you go to college? I went to University of Pittsburgh. Just up the road a No, no, no. Here's what I'll tell you. You think that the university teaches you to write, but it really was my mom and dad. I Mm. sat around them all the time. They were telling family stories. My aunt, my uncle would come. So all those people sitting around when you're young, you're thinking, Mm. oh my God, they talk a lot. They were teaching (laughs) me how to be a storyteller. Mm. So so the voice of the black community shows up in my work. What we loved, family, community, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing shows up in my work. And really, even though there's no locale in my book, on the you know, really, what's the name of the book? Well. People will know me mostly from the book, The Skin I'm In. There are like a million copies of those on the planet and a lot of people grew up reading that. The Skin I'm In. The Skin I'm In, about a dark-skinned girl who uh, gets picked on because of colorism, right? Mm -hmm. And has to learn to find her voice and like herself just the way she is. And because of that book, hundreds, thousands, even millions of people have said, you know, that that book helped them discover who they were and that it was okay to show up in the world, dark-skinned, brown, gay, whatever you are, right? Mm, No, that's important. And, And what year was that? book written. It was written in 98. It is still the reason why a lot of people call me to their schools to talk. I was just in New York. I was just at a college, right? And talking about that book and my journey with that book a lot. Mm -hmm. My latest book is Once in a Blue Moon. Once in a Blue Moon. um, Which really was inspired by my father. My dad is from the South. Uh, He's 97 now. One day I asked him, hey, what would you have done for a living if you could have done anything Mm -hmm. in the world? He spent 30 years with the Philadelphia Gas Company digging ditches. And he surprised me when he said, I would have been an astronomer. Mm, I was like, like Benjamin Banneker, somebody yeah. mapping things out, right? You know, and he was really brilliant. He could have done it. And so I set to writing a story where a young boy in the South who is really like fixed on the stars and the planets and builds his own pretend rocket ship um, is fixated on that sort mm. of thing. And um, but he has a problem because every novel has a problem. Uh, John Henry is a little nervous. He's a little skittish. He won't leave home. And so mm. his sister says, "Well, to get past that." You're You're going to have to go to the lighthouse under a blue moon. Mm. And so what my father taught me about what school was like for him, what his community looked like that. I sort of embedded all of that in there. But then the most of it is is fictionalized with this boy that goes on this journey. And his father says something incredible, which is um, if you ever feel like James Henry, you can't stand on your own two feet. Go in my bedroom, find my shoes, stand in them Mm. until you know that you could stand up for yourself no that's beautiful
1: if you're just tuning in we are here live 32nd annual African American Children's Book Fair and I'm talking to the Philly born Philly bred and I'm gonna make sure you put the G in there Sharon G. Flake right yes yes. skin I'm in and once in a blue moon what, what part of the south I should definitely say because I know some people heard you say the south and they were waiting you know just mm. like the high school thing they were waiting for you well, to well it's to say a park. fictional town in North Carolina No, but, Carolina. but you said your father's from down south my, right yeah Amson North part? Carolina that's okay, where my no, dad is from we got yeah. a lot of Carolinians up here in Philadelphia yes it so, is
2: it's a book in verse and for people who don't know what that is it's a form of poetry okay so it's really laid out not a lot of words on pages so if you have somebody that feels like oh I'd like to read I don't know if I like to read a kid like that then it's a perfect book for them if it's somebody that just wants a good rich story it's good for them and so Mm -hmm. my readership goes from second graders to like 80 year olds and I'm not i'm telling the truth um mm-hmm. i have a follow-up to the skin i'm in called the life i'm in and i had a woman write to me and said hey i'm reading this book with my 80 year old mother and what's the life i'm in about the life i'm in is in the skin i'm in there's a bully mm-hmm. and and people always wonder how did Charlize become a bully what happened to her mm. um and so it took me 20 years to write it but to decide to write it. But I wrote that book and it's Charlize's story. And we get to see that first of all, people are hurt for a reason. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt right? people, hurt people. It deals with issues of forgiveness. So you're telling chances. the bully, you're telling the bully story now. I'm telling the bully second That's Yeah, deep. I'm telling her story. Because a lot of people didn't love Charlize in the skin I'm in, mean, nor did I as the writer. Mm-hmm. And so I got to learn and appreciate and value her more too. And so it's a, it's about um human trafficking. Wow. It's about things that are biblical too which is -hmm. second chances am i my Mm -hmm. brother's keeper issues of forgiveness because we say we can forgive people Mm -hmm. but when they start to stack that stuff up right then can we still forgive you right and Mm -hmm. it's about malika who is in the first book very hesitant very unsure and when people meet her in the second book they're like oh wait a minute Mm. Like she's not she's not bullying anybody, but she's more confident. And she just says to Shar, the way you treated me like three years in school, mm-hmm. I can't stick around if you're going to treat me like that this time. Wow. And so um, that book ended up being a Kirkus prize finalist, which is a fifty thousand dollar prize. I was one of six finalists out of uh, ten thousand books that they read. Wow. And so God has been good. Philly's been good
1: all the time. All the now, time. One thing that I thought about when you were talking about listening to your family, when people find these voices, like you said, when people create characters, they usually do have these inspirations, right? It's not just their voice. It's this collection of voices that they've heard throughout their lives.
2: Well, I think, I think writers have their own distinct voice. And it's not like, to me, you sit down. Sometimes when you're starting out young, mm-hmm. you will, like, say... Okay, I like Langston Hughes. Let me write like that. And so you can find Mm -hmm. your own voice. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to tell people, how do you do that? You just have to write enough and you develop it. But I think the inspiration for even storytelling does come from a lot of places and Mm -hmm. a lot of spaces. And when you grow up in a North Philly, Mm -hmm. when you grow up in a West Philly, sometimes people think just like in the Bible, can anything good come out of there? Mm -hmm. And as writers, we're always saying, what you mean yeah, yeah absolutely positively it's not based on your zip code it's not mm-hmm. based on how much money you have so all those writers in there are telling black stories talking about black love black family mm-hmm. um how to navigate borders i write mostly for teenagers so i'm dealing with issues of self-confidence self-esteem mm-hmm. um bullying but at the end it's to me what i have in my books are the, the teachers the families the friends that help you navigate that water
1: until you can get to the the other side no and i hear you no I'm, I'm so appreciative of you coming uh here today and make sure you come down here today if you're listening come down professor 32nd annual african-american children's book fair the skin i'm in um the life i'm in and once in a blue moon will all titles be available today yes i, yeah, I believe so and if not social media where can they look online to get some of Sharon your work Gflake.com?
2: you can go to my website you can find me on instagram social media i
1: mean Twitter, um, TikTok. So I'm everywhere. Just look for me. Sharon G. Flake, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for all the people that are on their way based on what she just had to say. We're a lot of fun. And shout out to all my people from down south and all the people who understand how important it is for an event like this to take place. It is of paramount importance for people to be exposed to these kind of events. You know, some people say, well, I don't have a lot of money to buy a bunch of books. I say, even if you just buy in one book, You need to make sure that the young people see... Us as a community and as a people valuing and prioritizing education. So I want to make sure that people, yes, it is a live event. People, somebody asked me, is, is it is it live? You know, so I want to make sure people oh, know yeah, that here. we are on live. And, and when we start, we'll start at one o'clock, and th- that's when the doors open. Program will start around one fifteen, one twenty. But we want to make sure that people come on down and and have a good time. But bring some young people. You know, people, you you're involved with your community centers, you're involved with your churches, you're involved with the mosque, you're involved with different groups, and we want to make sure that That you have an opportunity to be an an outreach, you know a leader, so we're gonna switch out real quick, and we got a, another author on the way coming to I was gonna say the podium, but they're gonna come and see the table coming to our table, we have the one and only, and I made sure I got your name right because I saw that they had a different in in the in, in the yes, there you go Jamila Tompkins. Bigelow, right there I go, and you can switch out uh, with my sister and have a seat right here, and we're gonna talk uh, to another author. We got a whole bunch of authors. It's it's like the um, the BET Awards of authors today. You know, you know, you know BET Awards. We talk to all the different artists and all the singers and the rappers and the writers. But today we're talking to all the authors. So so coming up, you know, right now is the one and only Jamila Tompkins Bigelow, and oh she got a whole stack of books. So.
3: Well, I have a
1: couple. <laughs> so I, I've been asking people, you know, mm-hmm. what is their personal journey in terms of authorship and journalism, and then talk to me a little bit about some of the titles you have and maybe the connection between the two. Sure.
3: So um, I began um, as an English teacher um, in Philadelphia and a mother who um, didn't see a lot of books um, featuring kids like mine and kids in my community, especially the Black Muslim population. Mm -hmm. And so I just, and I fell in love with Particularly children's books, um, and sharing them—you um, know—even reading them with my high school students, you know—to share different stories because they often lacked those stories, and um, and just wanting to, uh, you know, bring those stories to you know um, to our communities and including our kids in the in those stories because I didn't see enough
1: representation. And talk to me about some of these titles that will be available today. At the Convention Center, the 32nd Annual Children's Book Fair. It's an amazing event. Make sure you bring the youth. In. Or if you don't bring the youth, come down here and get some things for your community. Because you might not be in, you know, a caregiver today or this weekend, but you have influence. So you might want to stock up today and then go out in the community and be a blessing. Go ahead. Well, I will mention one book I just saw one of
3: my books your name is a song um because I see that it's being given away today there are some available okay. copies it's limited but there are some available copies for people who come who are early comers to the event oh okay. uh, yeah they can it's an, organized giveaway. Giveaway. Okay. an organized giveaway okay no, organized giveaway no bootleggers or anything no 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 I, no, no, I, no, no, I was no, about to say that, my, I was gonna say
1: my sister what's going on <laughs> what we need to do you know I no. saw my good brother for the fruit and I said I said maybe we need to regulate but no okay so as part of a promotion today yes and i'm so excited about that and your name is
3: a song is a book about a little girl who on her first day of school no one can pronounce her name correctly mm. and the people even make fun of her name and her mother helps her to recognize that all kinds of names including black american names are beautiful names mm. that they can be sung and you know she tells her you know sing your name your teacher will learn to sing it too and then it just kind of becomes a musical sort of story about the beauty of names
1: your name so, is a song
3: yes your name is a song so <laughs> there are some limited copies available so uh, come early that's Part right? of the giveaway yes I that I saw and I was so excited when I saw that so
1: get here early and you might get an opportunity to get something for free and that's always the, the best price tell mm-hmm. me about some of these other ones
3: yes yeah, so um, another book that I have is Abdul's story um, and it's illustrated by Tiffany Rose who's actually originally from Philadelphia as well she doesn't live here now but and it is it kind of puts a lot of Philadelphia in it as well there are a lot of um, like there are street signs from Philly the uh, you know the subway is in there or I believe the the l is in there um and um it's about a boy who loves to tell stories but has problems with like writing with the mechanics of writing mm. and so he has to develop the confidence to uh r- to write and make mistakes and just tell a story and to understand that the story matters more than anything
1: And this third title Was this one as well
3: Salat in secret um, Illustrated by Hatam Ali Is focused on the um, The idea of Muslim prayer The, you know, bowing um, The prayer that's really Structured with bowing And and that happens Mm -hmm. Five times a day Um, And it is a story That starts with um, A young boy Getting a prayer rug A salat rug um, On his birthday From his father And wanting to make All five daily prayers Mm -hmm. But being scared To ask for a place To pray while he's at school so he sneaks around and tries to find places but essentially the book really is about being brave enough to ask for the things that you need
1: and I'm really encouraged by a lot of the the space creation for a lot of the authors you know this understanding that certain representation wasn't yes. evident in their own childhood and in their own experience with, with learning and reading but them being the change they want to see and it seems like it's a, it's a beautiful theme so online if people are just listening you know from all over the world um, where could they also access some of your, your work if they can't come down today and they're not in the Philadelphia area? Uh,
3: it's jamilah, the Writer.com. so J-A-M-I-L-A-H, jamilah com. I'm also going to um, you know I have some posters with some things about my new upcoming books um, I have a book about black girls you know um, Muslim girl friendship black girl friendship um, so um, that's coming out in May um, but yes you can find all of my books at JamilahTheWriter.com
1: Shouts out to all the authors and all the people who are logging onto the website or on the way down to this event. Thank you so much. And I just wanna say, I'm gonna take a picture of that too for our website. I think that'd be good to have some of this information on our website as well. Shouts out to all the people coming down to the convention center. We are starting at one o'clock. We are starting at one o'clock. Yes, you might've forgot, but now you know, get it on your calendar, wherever you are about to go before you go there, make sure you come here. Shouts out to everybody learning and growing and building their community through reading. Readers are leaders and and you
0: are learning with Word, y'all. <laughs> You're listening to Word Radio. 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Progressive Black Talk Media. Bringing joy and power to the people for 20 years.
1: 900 AM, 96.1 FM, WURD, Aaron Smith, the rapping professor. We are here for real, for real, the 32nd Annual Children's Book Fair at the Convention Center. It is so nice in here, so nice. The weather is always perfect in the Convention Center, if you didn't know. So whether it's raining or windy or it's just a beautiful, sunny, brisk day like today, the weather is always, yes, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, that's what I would say, but it's always beautiful in the Convention Center. And even more beautiful today because the community is here. When I say the community, not just us, Folk. I'm saying the learned community, the, the ones who, who, who train the next generation of leaders, making them better readers. And at this time, Cherie Miller, one of those great scholars, is here. Outstanding graphic novel nominee of the 55th NAACP Image Awards. Light Flex, I just did that for you. But shouts out to you and tell us a little bit about some of the titles that will be available today. And also a little bit about your own journey. Because especially for young people, I like people to know how people become or became authors. Of
4: course, yes. So I'm an author and an illustrator. So I write and draw um my graphic novel is called curl friends it'll be be available today um it is a curl friends yes it's the first in a series that's about four black girls and each book will be told from each
1: girl's perspective i'm very excited about this and this is all trademarks right that that is a very catchy title yes i did and i could see the haters coming for it (laughs) they they do that they do that no that's not curl friends it's memorable tell tell me a little more um this is my first graphic novel so
4: i'm mostly known for my picture books so i've done don't touch my hair princess hair uh, michelle's garden the how the first lady planted seeds of change um but the one that i'm promoting the most today is my graphic novel since it just came out it's for older readers so i'm excited to be able to grow with my readers when my picture books first came out i got a lot of attention so i'm glad to be able to engage them as they're getting older as well
1: i was just looking up something because i was wondering if you were in contact with a sister named ajua She works with the White House and the Crown Act. Oh, no. Well, that's a great context. So shouts out to Sister Adjua. I am going to give the sister the connection because a book like this and some initiatives like that, you know, they're going all over the country pushing for the legislation piece. And I think they need, you know, things like this, especially when it comes to the younger generation and future young voters, right? I think it's really important for people to, to understand the the value of acknowledging people's full humanity, right? Yes. So so please, you know, when we wrap up, I want to make sure you have that, that context. I think the, you know, the right sister this, you know changing the world together will be impactful what other titles do you have available today aside from curl friends um i also have don't touch my hair
4: which is the story of a little girl who is dealing with a lot of people wanting to touch her hair without her permission um it's a great story about personal boundaries consent but of course, the bodily autonomy. And you, you went there, basically. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, so somebody needs to write a book
4: about it. And I'm glad you did. Right. Yes. No, that's important. And princess hair, which is a celebration of the beauty and diversity of natural hair. Um, I created this during my own journey, rediscovering my natural hair after chemically straightening it for most of my adult life. Um, and in college, I Saw the natural hair movement and very inspired by all the different hairstyles. And I thought, oh, if I saw all these hairstyles in one place when I was growing up, maybe I wouldn't have wanted hmm. to change my hair when I was younger. Now, what
1: college is it? You can't just say college. Oh, yes. It? I went to Pratt Institute okay, yeah. in Brooklyn, New York. Utah and somebody's right now, they call like, that's what's up, Pratt. You know, you got to make sure you represent there. So shout, shout out to Pratt. Now, the last, the I will say last draw, but the last moment was you just being in this space, seeing this, and then you did you know at that moment that you were going to make that change or did you just think to yourself how it might have impacted you as a young person seeing all this natural hair i think it just came on
4: all at once i'd been seeing it for a while i knew people who were you know transitioning their hair back natural and i i think there was one day where i was like i don't even know what the texture of my hair feels mm. like when it grows out of my head it's been that long you saying yeah wow. since fifth grade
1: yeah And it's interesting because a lot of times the parents do it just as a matter of course. Mm -hmm. I I don't, you know, I don't see a lot of parents really considering all of these variables when they make these decisions for their children. So I think it is valuable for the children to understand that these are even options. Yeah. Because there are some people who, like you say, have never, they might be 70 and 80 years old and they have never had their hair in this natural state for more than, you know, a half hour or so, and even then not natural as we're describing it. So... Breaking generational cycles, I won't say curses, you know, I don't want anybody in the salon to come for me. But (laughs) generational cycles is what I'm saying, you know, but to have options. And especially when it's the way that your hair grows naturally out of your head, right? It seems counterintuitive for that not to be at least an option, but for so many young ladies and men, you know, there's a few men that have similar self-hatred issues, even though they can't manifest it as much through changing their hairstyle, but they do have a certain resistance, you know, to their natural state, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But we have books today to help to to deconstruct, right? That's what we're doing. We're deconstructing and rebuilding. Yes. Start and, conversations. And, and where can we look online? Because a lot of people listening from far away, they might not be able to make it today, but they, they might love these titles and these, these themes. Where can they get some of your work?
4: Well, my books are available wherever books are sold. Um, Barnes & Noble. Amazon, your local bookstore, bookshop.org is a great place to purchase books and you can buy from independent bookstores and have them sent directly to you.
1: And you should have known that when I said the NAACP award part, you know, so once I said that you should have known that she was going to say whatever books are sold, they're going to have her books. But no, I think this is um, so valuable. I, I go to the schools and I always look in the libraries and I'm always like, we need more books. Like they, the books that you and I might have seen in the library are very similar to the book selection that they have, you know, in these libraries now, and that's why I'm trying to connect people because I think we had, we need to move into this place where we get these contracts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's beautiful that the authors are traveling and that their books are available and they're writing books, but the same way these other books are just getting picked up, you know, in mass especially for predominantly African-American school districts and institutions to not have these libraries, you know, edified to such a way that they can really transform people's minds and lives. I think it's unfortunate, but we're changing that today. One more time, Cherie Miller, wherever books are sold, Curl Friends and the like, make sure you come on down and make sure you support the sister and make sure you support the movement of young people loving themselves and knowing themselves and growing, see, I didn't hear that, and growing into the beauty of their full humanity. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, And please take that name, you know, at least write that down before we go. Aaron Smith, the rapping professor, WURD. We are here, the 32nd annual African American Children's Book Fair. And right now in this seat on the microphone is the one and only chanel pick me barlow okay yeah i said like that but shout out to you and little rosetta and the talking guitar tell us a little bit about your journey your work and maybe some other titles available today
5: yeah, my journey started off um, when I was little. My granddad, uh, Jerry Pinckney, uh, he's a famous uh, children's book illustrator and author, um, grew up watching him and other family members, you know, create children's books. Um, and so around ninth grade was when I decided, you know what, I think I want to go this route. Um, so I went to school, at a University of the Arts here in Philadelphia. So kind of. Kind of like coming back home um and you know soon after graduating i went to masters um and got my masters from uh, school of visual arts in manhattan hmm. um and a few years later started um, illustrating children's books and little rosetta and the talking guitar is my first authored and illustrated book i'm very proud of it Uh, It's all about um, Sister Rosetta Tharp, who is the woman who created Rock Rock and and Roll. That's right. Yep. A lot of people don't really know much about her. Uh, in 2018 was when she was finally nominated, um, inducted into the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wait, what year was that? 2018. My God. And she was born in 1915. Yeah, yeah. In the rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that is her. And so this book is about her childhood her journey. Because what a lot of people don't know is that she mastered the acoustic guitar by the age of six. I didn't know that
1: yeah i i I teach about her and that that is a fact that i was not aware of a
5: lot of people don't know that so this is about you know kind of my imagining of her listening to the sounds around her interacting with the community um Mm -hmm. so community is a big part of this book um and her growth and in taking those sounds and making it her own and creating that rock and roll sound from it
1: and it's so interesting to me how many pieces you know in terms of culture and institutionalizing you know historical memory and things like this Mm -hmm. how many things have to take place you know people talk about this conversation about reparations and and money but not recognizing that what what's taken for granted in other communities Mm -hmm. like things like this just having children's stories that have survived that reinforce culture and history and exalt people and Mm -hmm. I think it's so powerful now of course when you were telling me about your, your familial connection my first instinct was to be like for real. But then I was like, I know people are always going to do that. They're always going to jump on the name. And it's like, no, I had to check myself and be like, this sister's an author. She stands on her own, has her own contributions. Let the sister speak and then go all fanboy on the family name. So I made sure I restrained myself. Right, I was a professional. So I would to be like, oh shoot, but I didn't do that. But tell us the connection now one more time. Yeah, so with this famed illustrator.
5: Jerry Pinckney is my granddad. Um, And then Brian Pinckney and Andre Davis Pinckney. Those are my uncle an aunt and then my mom and dad miles pinckney and sandra pinckney also have a few books out um shades of black um they got a uh naacp image award for that one nice yeah nice. so it was all in the family well i had the pleasure
1: of, of interviewing you know um your grandfather mm-hmm. uh, i think we, we were at the the art museum one time oh okay you did an exhibit there and and his lovely lady, who's from yes, here, right? My grandma. They have that Ozzy Davis, Ruby D. vibe, right? <laughs> you know, and she came on the anniversary at one time. You yeah, know, after passing and things like that. Yeah, and I, I just always really admired those examples you know of support mm-hmm. right and the, the candor of things not being perfect but but really just working together right yeah and, and
5: they did a lot of books together as well yeah
1: and that, that's really important because I, I don't think we see enough of that anymore in those examples right to just have just regular relationships not even just in terms of romantic right to work together right that's essentially what people are doing when they have long-term relationships right. they're really working together mm-hmm. so i think it's beautiful that you you know had that example and you know, are continuing the legacy, not just professionally, but, you know, bringing a certain spirit to your, to your creativity, because you could just write some book to try to make some money. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, you obviously are doing that as well as filling a need. And when did you first learn about Sister Rosetta Thardy? I would say... Mother I, of rock and roll. Let me the, make sure I start saying right, it right. The Ooh, mother I'm, of rock, I'm rock and roll. I'm going to fill my void. I, I got the mic. I'm going to do your and you're I'm, I'm talking. The mother of rock and roll, Rosetta Tharp. Tell me a little more.
5: Actually, I didn't hear about her till maybe 2019. My sister-in-law, um, I think it was like the anniversary of Sister Rosetta's um, death. Mm. And my sister-in-law was like, yeah, Sister Rosetta Tharp, You know, she was um, a queer black woman. She... Um, was a musician. I was like, I've never heard of her. So, you know, I kind of filed it away. And then I was on Instagram a few months later and I saw a post about her again. I was like, you know what? Let me look this woman up because mm-hmm. I haven't heard of her. Um, and so I looked her up and I started reading her story. And the first thing that I, you know, kind of honed in on was that she mastered the guitar by the age of six. Wow. She started at four and was a master of it by the age of six. And I'm like, when I was four, um maybe i was like and whoever bought that
1: gift right whoever put that Uh that, and that's why i say bring the young people down to the convention center today we're starting at one o'clock because you might have that kind of impact giving the type of book or like you might buy little rosetta and a talking guitar for a child today and change the whole trajectory of their lives oh definitely
5: definitely because her mother was a musician as well so in the story um you know i imagined her mom giving her that gift Because her mother um, was a musician, she was a singer, she was an evangelist. And so since, you know, Rosetta grew up around that, I would imagine that her mom, you know, seeing her mom do Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. um, it's inspired her to follow the same.
1: So before you go, um, I work at Temple University, African American Studies. Okay. And recently I was able to teach a class on the Black LGBTQIA experience. Mm-hmm. There's a sister, Feminisa Jones, online. Anybody know Feminisa Jones? She's all over social media, and she's actually getting a doctorate degree at Temple University, and she started the class. Okay. So she's creating space in mm-hmm. academia where there's been traditionally a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. How are we doing in terms of our memory of our great figures with moving towards a space where we can incorporate their full humanity? Mm-hmm. Because it seems like there's a lot of times where we know people but don't know things about people. right? And this whole trying to, I don't know, commodify people's existence in a way that makes mm-hmm. us more comfortable mm-hmm. as opposed to who they actually were,
6: mm-hmm.
1: seems to still be a struggle. Yeah, Where it's like, you know, we'll talk about movements, we'll talk about people, but it's like not that part of their lives right. where it might be a central part of their life in terms of like who they loved or how they identified mm-hmm. How are we doing or what do we need to do better? Because I still, even working in the academy, There's a lot of places where there seems to be room for improvement.
5: Yeah, I think it's about keeping their stories alive and keeping the full story, Mm -hmm. right? Not just bits and pieces, because especially with Sister Rosetta Tharp, a lot of the bits and pieces are just, you know, of her later life. Um, So that's why I chose this piece of her earlier life that a lot of people don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sister Rosetta Tharp was a huge figure, right? She loved to sing. She was like, you can see her her videos on YouTube Mm-hmm. So. Um, and just the way she captured the audience. She would wear like colorful wigs and dress up. Like she was a big personality.
1: Before Little Kim, they thought it, they thought it all started with Little Kim. Exactly. Like, <laughs> so the colorful wigs go way back, way, way back. back. We've, we've been doing this. <laughs> no, this is a beauty. And online, where can people get the work? I want to make sure I shout out all the people who are listening that might not be in the Philadelphia area mm-hmm. who might hear the title and want to learn more about your work or your family's work. Where can we you log on to, to find more?
5: Yeah, so you can find more of my work on. Call me um, I'm also on Instagram at CallMeChartreuse me um, chartreuse, and so that, spell that real quick. So it's C A L L M E C H A R T R E U S E. Com.
1: I got us, you know, because I know, shout out to my AAR peeps out there. <laughs> and they always say, Professor, you're talking too fast. And, and I didn't get that. So, so I I went, I, made, I rewound it like a good DJ. So <laughs> Little Rosetta and the talking guitar. The legacy continues. You know, the Pinkney legacy lives on, you know, in a beautiful way with these new contributions. Chanel Pinkney Barlow. Make sure I put the Barlow on it, put the <laughs> respect on the name. But thank you so much. Pleasure to meet you. And thank you. It's just been a joy, you know, just, just to be able to interact with your family over the years. Yeah. And I'm just proud to see that you're you know doing so well and i'm sure grandpa's smiling down crank them books out girl i I, I know he's loving it i am blessings thank you thank you and we are here and you could be blessed when you get down to the convention center and you can take part in the 32nd annual african-american children's book fair i am the rapping professor aaron smith and shout out to td bank one of our loved, trusted sponsors got to secure the bag to secure the event so shout out to everybody from td bank america's most convenient bank and you know i'm all about convenience that's why i appreciated that we have a table that's right by the entrance so when you come in there's a couple other tables but then you get to the good part and it's WRD so when you line up for the event make sure that you wave and show some love to the to the whole WRT, WRT, WRD team that is here and if you weren't on your way before I know you are now at least come to pick up some books for some young people if you don't bring the young people down yourself 32nd annual African American Children's Book Fair rapping professor WRD and you are learning with words, y'all it's too black
7: which means it's too strong.
0: We're celebrating Black influence and Black excellence worldwide on the home of progressive Black Talk Media, WURD.
1: 900 AM 96.1 FM WURD Aaron Smith the Rapid Professor we are here at the 32nd annual African American Children's Book Fair you don't have to be African American to enter of course but it just centers around the African American experience and some wonderful authors and also some wonderful sponsors and partners help to make this event possible at this time Dr. Kia Branson Davis I was going to say in the building everybody's in the building it's a convention center the building is like 15 blocks so you gotta be out <laughs> in the neighborhood they be in a building but welcome <laughs> to the program tell us a little bit about all the wonderful things that pico is doing not just to keep the lights on but also to partner with events like this and you know make things happen absolutely
8: um first of all it is an absolute per- pleasure to be here pico has been a longtime sponsor of the african-american children's book fair um vanessa lois is a force mm. um in What she's doing and what she has been doing for the last 32 years in promoting literacy among children um, in the African-American community by promoting authors, African-American authors and African-American illustrators. Um, This is one of my favorite events as the corporate contributions manager um, at PICO. Um, And it's just an absolute joy to see the faces of the children when they get their books Mm. and to see them hug their books and value and cherish their books, um, versus, you know, with their heads and screens, Mm -hmm. um, the tactile, um, uh, interaction that they have with books versus, you know, scrolling Mm. on a computer screen is, um, it's just magical. So, um, just to be here, um, as one of the one of the sponsors to support um, making sure that happens um, is is just um, an absolute joy. so.
1: And that's interesting you say that because being a, a representative for an, an energy, you know, creating company mm-hmm. to just share that understanding that there's still, you know, that significant value that mm-hmm. comes from that more analog aspect of it's absolutely engaging right information. I, I think it's powerful. And a lot of people don't see a difference. But like you said, There is a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. Thumbing through pages, right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
8: You know, it, and that's that's one thing that I love about this particular event is that it is focused on the books. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look around, you don't see a computer screen anywhere. You Mm -hmm. don't see any promotions for online books and apps and all of that. Because Vanessa is really adamant about making sure that this is focused on books and that children learn how to cherish those books, learn how to value those bu- books, learn what's in those books um, and have that kind of interaction with that book in their
1: hand. What, what made Pico feel like they were a good fit? Because you said the partnership's been longstanding. Yes. You know, so oftentimes when you have these kind of partnerships that last long, there seems to be like some, some shared vision, some shared goals, some shared reward in terms of, you know, what comes out of these kind of events, right? It's mm-hmm. not just a financial thing. You can make money with a bunch of people. When you stay with the same, you know, people in terms of business partnerships and things like that. There has to be some degree of shared vision, you know, so talk a little bit about how PICO's goals for the community align with some of the goals for the the program today. Absolutely.
8: Well, education is one of our one of our main pillars. Um, We we focus on education and workforce development, arts and culture, um, community and economic development, as well as the environment. Um, But under that focus of education is where this particular event sits. Mm -hmm. Um, In that it is a part, you know, education is a part of that continuum. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you start with education and then that can segue into training and higher education. And then that segues into jobs and and, um, careers. So um, whatever we can do to support programs and initiatives that foster um, that educational growth Mm -hmm. um, is what PICO is all about
1: just want to make sure that the people know um, I'm speaking to the representative what, what's, what's the title again you said the corporate corporate, contributions, corporate contributions, manager. contributions manager I knew it was three things that's why I said <laughs> <laughs> I got two of them Dr. Kia Branson Davis thank you so much for joining us and thank Pico for being a partner but also if they want to log on and look online right yes. where on Pico's website can we learn about some of these other initiatives I know you said the different pillars and things like that if someone's just at home just wants to learn a little more and said I didn't know Pico did all that
8: where should they look yes Um for information about our energy efficiency programs, energy assistance program and funding. There's a lot of funding out there that people need to be aware of and programs. They can visit www.pico. .com.
1: Oh you made it easy there, there And if you ever need a DENI you know person specialist you know I come and I, I tell the truth and then I leave so that nobody don't care. Shouts out to you shouts out to Pico and all the great partners and all the great authors. Up next who do we have here? Shouts out to everybody on their way also today. 32nd annual African American Children's Book Fair. I have the pleasure of sitting and speaking with Gordon C. James and I'm looking at a book with a beautiful title. I like the, the imagery here. I am every Good thing, now, that's an affirmation right there. You know, there's, there's something I say in the morning. I used to use the the deep philosopher, soldier boy. He used to say, Uh, hop about the bed, get my swag on. But this one, this one here, might top that. Welcome to the program, uh, good brother. Tell us a little bit about this book and some of the other titles that might be available today.
7: Oh, well, I'm Every Good Thing, and it is just about all the awesome traits that make up our boys, right? right. And so, this kid talks about how you know, he's a scholar, how he's exuberant, how he's got energy. It's just page after page of affirmation. And then also a little armor, because t- there's a page in there where it talks about he doesn't let anyone call him out of his name and mm. tell him who he is because he knows his identity. And so, you know, working on this book was just really awesome, uh written by the amazing Derek Barnes. And oh wow. The other thing is that as an illustrator, I really wanted to work hard to have like just all different like skin tones, tall boys, slim boys, skinny boys, fat boys. Like if you are an African-American boy, I'm hoping that you will see yourself in this book, that you will flip to a page and see someone that looks like you.
1: It's funny on one of the pages, I see the young boy got the, the band-aid. And I remember in the hood, it'd always be somebody like walking around a band-aid. You know what happened to him? But he had like a band-aid on his head or his elbow or something. And this this is nice. So you're the illustrator. Yes, sir. You're the first illustrator we spoke to today. So talk to us a little bit about your journey as an illustrator. And a lot of times when I talk to young people in the schools, they don't even understand the available career options. So just to meet somebody and to hear your story for a lot of our boys, to them, that probably might be the first time they really heard an illustrator talk about becoming one. So tell us a little bit about your story and your journey.
7: Well, my journey really starts with my dad. My dad was artsy. There are lots of artsy people in my family, but maybe at that time, they weren't able to pursue those careers. They had to take on more practical pursuits. Mm. My dad was a police officer. A lot of my uncles had drew and painted. They worked for like the phone company Mm -hmm. or something like that, right? So this was the generation where we got to do those things because of the work that our my dad and my uncles put in you know mm-hmm. we get to go into the arts and so i i take it as a great responsibility that i have the opportunity to do it and so i work really hard at it and i try to give kids like museum worthy art 17 to 24 pieces at a time in children's book four.
1: Wow. And talk to me about some of the other titles available today also that, that you've illustrated.
7: Well, I illustrated uh, Crown and Ode to the Fresh Cut, also by Derek Barnes, and it may well be the most decorated children's book of all time. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, everybody knows this one. or They probably shouldn't. If you don't, be on your way today to the convention center. You can get yeah. your copy, Crown and Ode to the Fresh Cut. And talk to us a little bit about this and
7: book. And boy, it's just about a young man who gets a haircut and just how good that haircut makes you feel. We all know what it's like Nothing like that Barbara share. <laughs> yeah, you just feel like a new man. And so that's what that's about. It's about that um that transformation that goes through and how you feel like you could just conquer the world.
1: Can we well, let me let me talk a little bit about this, this, How how beautiful this is. Because a lot of times people who don't have the cultural sensitivity, they'll propose solutions for communities. Without understanding what's transformative and of value in those communities. Cause like you just said, you were talking about the feeling of having a fresh cut. I started smiling and glowing, you started smiling, we were just reminiscing. Yeah. You'll hear people say, I want to address the issues with the young men in the community. I said, You ain't got no barbers with you.
7: Look, <laughs> let me tell you this, let me tell you this. And that barbershop that's in that book, it is an actual barbershop. It is the barbershop I take my son to. I happen to be bald, but it's the barbershop I take my son to, heads-up barbershop. And uh Okay, shout Charlotte, out to North, Heads Up. Carolina. And uh, shout out to Mr. Reggie, who's been cutting my son's hair forever, who led us into his barbershop to take the reference photos for this book. So if it feels authentic, if it feels like your hometown barbershop, it's because it's my hometown. Because it is.
1: Online, before we go to commercial break, where can they get more of your work online for those that aren't able to come down today?
7: They can get. They can see my stuff at GordonCJames.com. Gordon C. Gordon J. find out on Instagram. And really, if you just Google my name, Gordon C. James, it'll all come up.
1: That is amazing that a lot of people don't understand that we are the first generation who have had this degree of opportunity i actually had an uncle that wanted to be a pilot that worked at the post office and a grandmother that wanted to be a designer and they told her that we don't hire colored girls so we are literally the first generation that have had this level of opportunity and it's beautiful to see people like yourself taking full advantage and you know helping the next generation of young leaders and readers to be just as great or to take it even further and barbers for peace that's my initiative i'm starting now barbers for peace next time you see a conflict in the streets just think barbers for peace because nobody acts like that when they got a fresh cut they all act different, you know. <laughs> they wouldn't be as violent and angry if they was. Okay. Uh, you are learning with words,
0: y'all. We are the home of progressive black talk media. This is WURD, 900 AM and 96.1 FM, Philadelphia. on.
1: 900 AM, 96.1 FM, WURD, Aaron Smith, the rapping professor. I am here. We are here. You are on your way here if you're listening. And you're here in spirit if you're far away. The 32nd annual African American Children's Book Fair. I've been talking about all the people that could benefit from this kind of event. And I want to add some names to the list. I want to add some titles. I want my teachers. I want my, my vice principals and principals. I need my, my superintendents. Shout out to good brother Reginald Streeter, Esquire. And shout out to uh, Vincent Hughes. You know, uh, Send the rap down you know and you can get some of these titles because we got to get these these books in the schools ASAP you know ASAP like Rocky because I, I go to the schools and sometimes I see the same old books you know I ain't got nothing against Judy Bloom, but I hey okay uh we are here you are special um shout out to you know the, the good sister how did I say this correctly put some respect on your name like <laughs> Chavu. Birdman says Don Shavu Don Shavu see see I, I didn't play myself because <laughs> I would have jumped out there and, and gave it a try but we don't have time for that tell me a little bit about this
9: title you are special and how the book came to be yes thank you so much I'm so excited to be here so you are special is a is a labor of love um, I am a parent of two uh, African-american boys who I'm raising with my husband and my my son my eldest son was watching the movie Moana mm-hmm. um, Disney movie about a character um, who saves her tribe but she does it with the help of a, a character called Maui mm-hmm. played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson and in this movie Maui shapeshifts from being a human to a bird to mm-hmm. a fish mm-hmm. and in this movie my son sees he's Maui shapeshift from being a human to a bird and he can fly and so my husband my, my son comes to me and says you know what I'm not special because I can't fly like Maui and it was a very low moment mm. for me as a mother I'm like yeah. as much love as we poured into this little child yeah. what's tell happened? me right what's where's he getting messaging from right? <laughs> exactly and so I took that I-, I took that moment that to me was a low moment as a mom as a opportunity to write this book of affirmation to highlight just how special not only he is but every child in, in America, um, particularly black, um, boys. And so, um, and the world, you know, and the world that international market. international market. Absolutely. Oh, and so, um, this is really a book of affirmation that just, um, highlights the amazing things about children that make them special and no, you don't have to fly. Um, mm-hmm. but there are things such as your hair, the way you look, the oh, way you yeah. talk, the way you think that, that make you special. And so I'm really excited about this book and to share it today at this book fair and tell, me before we go online where could they
1: also get you know so, some of your work
9: yes absolutely so um you can also find me at um barnes and nobles um and on amazon like almost
1: everybody wherever books are sold <laughs> no thank you so much for joining us today a, a pleasure make sure you come down here we got somebody else coming to the chair at this time but in absolutely. the meantime like i said my teacher's You know, I know I know know you might not be the ones to to sign these contracts and my librarians. That's what I should have been saying. My librarians and my curators, because sometimes you all be selecting the titles. And this is a great opportunity to come down and see some of the newest and greatest titles that are out. Because if you're having problems, sometimes, you know, sometimes the schools have some challenges. And a lot of times, they, the, the, so if you have problems and challenges in the school, sometimes you want to educate our way out of problems and not take a necessarily solely punitive approach. You know, I use my professorial hat right there, but it, it, it's something to be said about, you know, loving on somebody is the way I think we say it in the African-American community, you know, that um, laying hands on, <laughs> no, so, no, I'm saying lay hands like in a spiritual sense, you know, don't, don't say, see, the professor said that I should, no, no, I'm, I'm not condoning any of that. I'm just saying in our community, you know, Know, we can we can love ourselves out of challenges and love is corrective so I think it's important to remember That the gift of a book And a lot of times people say That when they got in trouble Their parents forced them to read A lot of great people have Similar stories like that And at this time I have a lot of great reading In front of me So let me let me see who I'm talking with Right? Oh, I'm not going to try I'm not going to try I'm going to put some respect On your name And I'm going to sit back And put my student hat on And I'm going to learn something today <laughs> Learn me, sister Learn, learn me <laughs> <laughs> I am Olubami Sola Rude Perkovic. And I know I've talked to you before Yes, so i know in the back of your time. mind you're probably thinking i told this brother before no, and right. i acknowledge that you told me and i just i'm just glad to be back one more again as they say <laughs> in the community and these are beautiful beautiful covers <laughs> these um, Covers, are great we talked best. about this one before yes. well, i do remember that operation sisterhood yes and what's the new title we have today
10: <laughs> the new title we have today is Makeda makes a birthday treat it's my Makeda first easy reader birthday. the first in a series i'm really excited about it
1: okay, yeah this one's a little thinner than the other ones okay yeah
10: Branching out for different yeah, demographics.
1: it's for young people
10: who are just learning to read. So How what's this about with support? So Makeda is a second grader who's curious. She's creative. And in this book, it's really a celebration of family stories. Mm. Uh, she wants to bring a treat to her class for her birthday. And usually everyone, as her brother and sister say, like everyone brings cupcakes. Everyone brings cupcakes. Always. But she wants to bring something that's connected to her family heritage and to her family history. So she wants to bring a Caribbean treat. And she's a confident girl, but the people around her sort of try to make her second guess herself about mm. not bringing what everybody else brings, but
1: she wants to bring something that represents herself and her story. Now, when you say people around her, I know you're not talking about family oh. members, because we all know family members never doubt you dream. <laughs> <laughs> they be the first one sometimes. Sometimes they do it out of love. They don't want to see you get yeah. hurt and take chances. Yeah. So I, I try to clean it up. You yeah. know but and where online can they get some of your titles or you know things that I might need to know about? But where can we look online to get some of these books? I know some people might be listening and say, I can't make it down there, and it's still okay. You can still get the literature. Well, I
10: know that I have a long name, so I always tell people they can just look up the titles and find me. But my website is Olubemi com. And what's
1: the most popular title to look to? Is it the sisterhood? Operation one? Sisterhood is just so now they can out find in paperback, so okay. they can always find me with that. Google that Operation Sisterhood. Thank <laughs> you so much. I'm gonna try to watch this watch this Olu Bemmi Sola perfect no 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 no, no. I got I got degrees for a reason now it's you about know knowing it. it's about knowing your role when it's time to be a student you just be quiet and listen and you learn something so thank you so much for joining <laughs> me today thank you it's great Let to it be here it's a pleasure to see you again yeah thank you you never want to meet people and, and then forget that you're met them. it and nothing like that when you I think Drake had a line about that where you you want to say remember and then they might not remember so you act like you don't know them either and yeah because <laughs> they don't remember meeting you the first time so you just pretend you don't know them either yeah <laughs> It's it's uh, at this time we have the one and only right the 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 renowned Renee Watson. You see, yeah, uh, see, I, I I went and tried that one. You know, I, I figured I was safe with that one. Renee Watson, and the book is called Maya Song. I was talking earlier to an author, mm-hmm. and I was talking about all the space still needed for us to fill mm-hmm. as writers, illustrators, authors. Right, there's so many stories that might have been told in a movie or a documentary. Right. But in other cultures, all these bases are being covered. All these boxes are being checked. So there's so many topics and stories that are not available in children's literature, at least from our perspective. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when you do find a book, we didn't write it, right? right. So I'm right. so pleased to see this this beautiful cover in this book. So tell me a little bit about Maya's song and anything else you want to share in terms of what's available today.
11: So Maya's song is a biography about Maya Angelou, um, illustrated by Brian Collier, who did beautiful stunning collages for the book and i wanted to tell this story in a picture book form because we know maya angel as this great poet Mm -hmm. scholar activist but she had a hard childhood Um, she endured abuse she moved several times Um, she was raised by her grandmother and so i want young people to see a book where they might identify with humble beginnings Mm -hmm. and hard beginnings and know that they could still do great, big, giant things, and that they could use their voice to change their world, like she did. Yeah, she had a heck of a story, right? She really did. To, lose, to stop speaking for five years, five years, and then become the most prolific writer that we have, um, is really a miracle. And so, yeah, I, I want a young people to understand that their voices matter, and that they don't always have to be the loudest, but they could still use their voice in small and big ways.
1: And I learned recently that she was one of those um, black rosies uh, for the war effort. Like, um oh, yeah. Right? yeah. She All these African American so women that, that supported the nation during the war that we don't hear about, right? Yeah. They always we talk don't about Rosie Riveter, stories. but there's so many. African-American women that that participated, including Maya Angelou. And I thought that was just amazing. You know, the people have all these different, like I said, all these different hats that they wear throughout their lives, all these different stories that exist simultaneously.
11: Yep. And then Black Girl, Your Atlas is here. It's a poetry collection for older um, folks, um, teenagers, hopefully adults will read it too. And it's a collection of poems that celebrate Black girlhood, sisterhood, um, and my kind of love letter to Black girls. It's a nice title would you come you. up with that it's the title of one of the poems and it just talks yes. about how black women hold us down, help us find the way carry the weight of the world on our shoulders um, and not just survive but thrive and that um, that we've we've led movements and that we are still leading um, this nation this country we're healing and you know being there for others so that's um, kind of the spirit of the whole book. The
1: renowned. I don't know why I kept saying that. Uh, (laughs) Renee Watson, thank you so much. And online, where could they find some of your work?
11: ReneeWatson.net has all my books.
1: And there's a whole thing that we we can talk about in terms of um, leadership and the different cultural contexts of leadership. Because I see that certain cultures really believe that leadership is singular and has to be done from the front and anybody who understands this this Medea type of big mama mm-hmm. theme you know you understand that it's not necessarily where you're standing that makes you the leader That's it's the power true. that you wield so thank you so much for thank joining you. me and also at this time crystal allen did i say it right you, you did was double, double check and triple thank check you, you know cuz you know nowadays with the, since beyonce came on the scene Everybody's hyphenating. You, you gotta know, be careful. You might be like, like the drink. Say, my name's Cristal. You know, so you get it right. You know. So
12: Between Two Brothers, yes. tell me a little bit about this, this text. Well, thank you, first of all, for letting me come thank here you. today. And Between Two Brothers is based on a true story of my family's journey through a catastrophic event mm. that actually, in an instant, changed all the dynamics of my family. And it's told through the voices of my two sons. Wow. Um, but... Through hope and faith and love, um, we turn beauty from ashes. And anybody who needs hope, get down here and get this book. Anybody who needs to know what faith and belief really is, get a copy of this. Especially for our young men, because I do notice that
1: oftentimes when you see a news story and they'll say a horrendous crime was committed, right? And then you'll see the mugshot. And you could see that the hope and the dream and self-love done left this brother long before whatever fateful night, you know, had him on the television. Right, right, right. right. So we have to make sure that we keep the dreams alive, Absolutely. keep the hope,
12: keep keep the love and keep them being seen.
1: Yes. And I love the illustration. I know it's not an illustrated book, but the, the cover art is, is really phenomenal.
12: It is. And, and um, the illustrator did a great job on this. And I'm just trying to send a message of it really doesn't matter what other people believe in you. Mm-hmm. What do you believe about mm-hmm. you? And hopefully that message will get through. Uh, even through the readers. tough times, right? Yes, I mean, no, no, especially no what you through the through. tough times. So thank
1: you so much, Crystal Allen. And yep. also online, where can they get your work? CrystalAllenBooks.com will do it. I like that. Okay. See, I'm picking up the pace in here. You know, I, I'm doing what I'm doing. The 32nd Annual uh, African-American uh, Children's Book Fair Festival Extravaganza. We're at the convention center. And if you're from the Philadelphia area, you know, there's no better venue. You know, you know like they, they're about to build a Sixer Stadium, but I don't know what that is. That's going to have anything on the convention center. You know, so we, I'm, I'm riding with the convention center. The other one don't exist yet. So I, I'm convention center team, convention center all day. Um, at this time, uh, we have an American story. Kwame Alexander um, and Zora, the Story Keeper, written by Ebony Joy Wilkins, um, whom I had the pleasure of speaking with.
10: I am Dare Coulter, and I am the illustrator of both. Oh, of these second books. illustrator
1: conversation. Let's yeah. talk
10: artsy. Well, and the first was Gordon C. James. So I'm following. I'm following a fantastic illustrator. Um, so I am. I'm happy to be in the footsteps. Um, thank you so much for having us and for being here. Um, and and we were on your radio station a couple of weeks ago, and uh-huh. it's just knowing that people are out there hearing about all of these brilliant books is such an exciting thing. And to see the kids like fill up this hall is wonderful. So um, yeah, these books, I illustrated these books. An American Story super excitingly won the Coretta Scott King Illustrator Award this okay. year. So um, I am so beyond proud and excited to be recognized for this work because it means that of the work that I'm doing, you know, the most important thing I say is is about Black joy and resilience, and making sure that our people feel uplifted, mm-hmm. and that's recognition from from us that this work has significance. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of that. No, there's nothing like being recognized by your own. Yeah, yes, right? yes, there's yes. nothing like that. You know, like, those,
1: those other awards, you know, might be lucrative, but it's not. It's not the same if you come home and they like we don't know about you. You know, you gotta make sure you embrace.
10: And what I what I love is that this celebrates this space celebrates the space of what we do. So the first book that I illustrated was called You Are My Sunshine. So like that, I did that. I put it on Amazon and that's, you know, you can find my books online, but they're books that I illustrated myself. Um, the first objectives of those books was to make sure that Black kids had books that were positive and beautiful and joyful where they saw themselves. Um, And it's interesting because both of these books deal with grief. Both of these books deal with heartache. um, and American Story deals with the story of slavery. Kwame Alexander is a brilliant, wonderful man, and he's absolutely fantastic. I call him greatness because he is. uh, But he had this situation where his daughter was in class, and this white girl says, well, you can be my slave while they're working on a project. And these things happen to Black people in past every day yeah and and it's just okay so grief doesn't just look like losing someone sometimes it looks like people not recognizing your humanity when you know that you are a person Um, but grief also does look like losing someone sometimes so Zora the story keeper was written by the fantastic doctor. It don't say doctor on here, but she's the doctor.
1: Shout Doctor Dr. Joy Wilkins. Yes. And, and one more time, the website before we go, so oh. they can get on online as yes, well. Yes,
10: I'm Dare Coulter, D A R E Like Truth or Dare. Coulter is C O U
1: L T E R. That's my website. And then An American around. Story Zora the Story Keeper yeah. And thank you so much And You're you so are on welcome. your way Down to the convention center To yes. get these titles And others And at this time I have the pleasure The honor The distinct privilege Of talking with Victoria Scott Miller hey. The writer of Miss and Mona's Class
13: of Wildfires. That sounds exciting. Tell us a little bit about your title and also some other things that might be available today. Sure. So uh, my name is Victoria Scott Miller, and I'm also the owner of North Carolina's first Black-owned children's bookstore, which is Liberation Station. And what I realized about working on this piece is how disconnected black children are from art spaces, how we are not allowed in front of museum glass not represented. And so this is a part of a five book series called The Museum Lives in Me. And I start with Miss Atmonia's class of wildfires as a nod to the first African-American sculptor, etmonia Lewis. Um, and throughout the book, what you'll find is that the children are going into the museum, finding pieces that they can identify with. And it is creating a space for them to be able to find their own humanity and their own Human Museum and Exploration. Did you say the first bookstore? Yes, we own the first Black owned children's bookstore in the state of North Carolina. In the whole state? Yes. In the whole uh, state. They doing a documentary about that? We need to <laughs> No, that's something people need to know.
1: That's because that, how that even came to be, they always highlight the fact that something's the first. Yeah. But they don't like to really talk about
13: the story as to why. As to how we how we mm-hmm. get yeah. there. And, I mean and I, why I,
1: are you the first? Because you shouldn't be. I mean,
13: I, I think I think um I think there are people that answer the call. There are people that are assigned to people, people assigned mm-hmm. to generations, and people assigned to missions. And I think that's what our bookstore has done over the past five years. Yeah, but I'll be curious What's to know important? what, what, what was happening you know with people i think what wasn't happening that's what i'm saying here, yeah, like, like the, the resistance yeah. and the
1: the disenfranchisement and the destruction of towns and yeah. all that i want to know the story that played a role into this wonderful moment that you've been a part of but online before yeah. we go where can they get how many of the books have been produced out of the series
13: so this is the first okay, and I get to travel across the world, actually, and really pull apart museums. So y'all need to get on this early. Things, yes, please get on it early. I uh, always ask that people support black owned independently owned bookstores. Say there the book, say, say store one more time. My store is Liberation Station Bookstore, but there are 155 black owned bookstores in the country that you are able to support doing this work and the work of the artists and authors here today. That's a
1: doctoral dissertation right there. That, yeah. that, that, that'd be a good one and some some fun travel. So thank you so much Absolutely. for joining thank us. Absolutely, for having me. I love the fact that, that you all are here. The the convention center never been so warm, you know. so so <laughs> come on down just for that. You know, I, I was going to say it's never been so black, but it's, it's, it's just a beautiful experience. At this time, I have the pleasure and privilege of speaking with the one and only Glenda Armand, right? That's you, see, I said, I said it. I, I I threw a little bit of the French on there, right? See how I did that right Can't there? from New Orleans. Ice Cream Man. Tell me a little bit about this title.
14: Ice Cream Man is about Augustus Jackson, who was born in 1808, a free man in Philadelphia. Mm. He came up with a way of, of making ice cream better, of keeping it colder, and making it uh, keep from melting longer. And what he came up with was using rock salt. And mm. that made him the richest man in Philadelphia. And imagine he would, this was... Yeah, I'm learning right with mm. you. We all sitting like, what, for real? <laughs> And he was free during slavery time. This is all before the Civil War. And he, he went to work at the White House at the age of 12. He worked under 12 presidents. He learned how to make ice cream. And then he decided to op- come back home to Philadelphia and open up his own ice cream shop. And he became very wealthy, very much a part of the community, uh, worked you know, was able to support his family and support and sell ice cream at a rate where it was a delicacy in those days but he he made it so that the average person could spend a penny and get a little ice i don't cream. got a lot of time i got
1: so many questions <laughs>
14: but i will
1: ask this um where did you first come in contact with the information
14: that inspired this book there's not much information um my co-author was one uh, who loves ice cream, and she decided to look up ice cream, and Augustus Jackson's name kept coming up, and so she brought the idea to um, our editor, and they asked me to write the book. I've written many books, and. She was new to, uh, to the to uh, the process, right? To the process, so we wrote it together, and um, we, there's just a few newspaper articles from the time. There's no books about him, and there's a book called um, the, K- "The President's Kitchen Cabinet," and it's about the black help that um, the black people who worked in the in the kitchen in the White House. And so there's a little bit about him in there. Now, where can he
1: online? Where can we get this book or other things that you've written? Well,
14: you can read it. You can get it, it on all the sites, but I, my website is Glenda. Charmin.com and um, it's uh, a random house book. Okay. You can get Ice these- cream man. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being here
1: and thank you, you know, so much for doing the, the research and the work to fill these voids. You know? Thank um, you. And at this time, I have the privilege and the honor and the distinct pleasure. I say that because I gotta take time to find the name on the book, you know, the <laughs> okay. little behind the scenes thing. of that. <laughs> A little stall tactic. You know? Okay, um, you're the illustrator. We got all the illustrators here today. Akua Holmes. Equa. Equa.
14: Yes, thank Et you. Equa.
1: Okay. Um I, I see so written wait, 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 wait. Written by Coretta Scott King. No, what that, that this, is, this, is, this is the
14: same Coretta Scott King that I'm thinking about. This is the same one that you're thinking about. This was excerpted from her autobiography. Oh. And it's the first children's book done that way about one of our black heroes. So we all know that Coretta Scott King was the wife of Martin Luther King Jr. but she also was uh, an activist in her own right for many years even before they met. So this is her story in her words and I've had the honor of being the illustrator. Is this the first time this has been done? As far as I know.
1: Oh, cuz I know for a fact people are, you know, good at stealing our stuff. <laughs> So you might need to coin the phrase and, you know, but seriously, because I've never heard of this technique. Right. And, you know, in the academy, we talk so much about methodologies and techniques that I think that's just a a very interesting way of interpreting history, especially for a younger generation. So the book is called Coretta, the Autobiography of Mrs. Coretta Scott King.
14: Um what other titles do they have available today or that you've illustrated? I've illustrated I work with uh, Renee Watson who you spoke with earlier on uh, her book of poetry Black Girl You Are Atlas, Atlas. which is yeah. an amazing uh, right compilation of her poems and my artwork. So I'm really excited to see that coming out as well.
1: I wish I could talk to all y'all so much longer, but we have a million people to speak with today and we have millions more on the way, but thank you so much. Well, Look out for the title uh the Coretta Autobiography based on her own words, right? Of course, that's the autobiographical component. But Aaron Smith, the rap professor, I am here at the 32nd annual African-American Children's Fair. You hear the hustle and the bustle in the background, it's because it's popping and you need to get down here and do some good, healthy mind feeding. and Shopping. <laughs> Rap professor, You, I did there? I made it rhyme by accident. I'm pulled. I know it. Um, this is where you need to be today. And if you are not here, send somebody down with a list. The same way you do for DoorDash and when somebody's going to, you know, to the restaurant you want to go to and you don't want to get out of bed, you say, well, can you bring me back this? Can you bring me that? Well, now is your chance to say you bring me back a few books. Right. So this is your opportunity. We need to start a book dash. Book dash. I'm giving ideas today. Million dollar ideas. Somebody gonna get rich, you know, off of this one here. Uh, My block looks like I'm here with a writer. Yes. Okay. Okay. No offense to my illustrators. I know y'all, y'all in the building, but Janelle Harper has written this book. My Block Looks Like. Tell me a little bit about about this work.
13: My Block Looks Like is a love letter to the Bronx where I was born and raised and it highlights all the amazing things in this New York City borough. So you're going to see the Icy Man, bodegas, subways. And of course, we pay homage to the birthplace of hip hop
1: hip-hop. Tell me a little bit more about this hip-hop thing.
13: Okay, so for those of you who have been following, Hip-Hop Celebrated is 50th birthday in August of 2023. And so the amazing illustrator, Frank Morrison, he's also a graffiti artist, so you're going to see elements of hip-hop throughout the book, as well as lots of graffiti
1: oh okay now that's a beautiful thing i want to make sure that people can also get online you know the, the same text if you're not on your way already and getting ready till they come to the convention center i want to make sure that you can also get a copy get your copy of my block looks like where do they look online to get some of this work
13: so you can find me at janelle dot author.com and my socials are at bx storyteller i want to take a quick break and come back
1: in a, a few moments we're here at the convention center for the 32nd annual children's book fair make sure Sure that you come down and be on your way. Aaron Smith, the rapping professor with a whole nation of authors and illustrators, and you are learning with Word, y'all. You're
0: listening to Word Radio, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD, progressive black talk media, bringing joy and power to the people for 20 years. Power
1: to the people I heard that part 900 AM 96.1 FM WURD Aaron Smith The rapping professor We are here Where are we Where you need to be Coming soon To a convention center Near you It is the 32nd annual African American Children's Book Fair Shouts out to One of our wonderful partners TD Bank Shouts out to Pico Energy Shouts out to everybody Who helped to make this possible And I see some people With my AAR peep shirts And I always say Or ARP, I say my AAR peeps Affectionately Because we all Going to get old so you might as well. Start showing love early. It's nothing like you know coming late to the party and trying to change the way you treat people. So, shouts out to all my AR peeps and elders out there who are some of the main people that are going to be suggesting to the young people, you need to go down there and take the children to the book fair. Right? Because usually it's auntie and grandma and grandpa that that understand the value of this stuff because they've lived long enough to know that this is the kind of event that you want your family to be a part of. At this time, I have the pleasure of sitting with Lisa Klein Ransom and a book that I'm looking at is illustrated by her husband. James E. Ransom and this is the first time you know at least today that we've had this kind of combination right so fighting with love the legacy of John Lewis the legacy of John Lewis
15: yes Tell us about yes. it. So this is the story of, uh, of course, the incredible congressman uh, John Lewis, who was a freedom fighter in the 60s. And um, the story, I framed it as it's fighting with love because this is a man who grew up in a home filled with love. But the story is contrasted with the hate that he experienced. But they were never able to take the love that he was imbued with. Mm. Um, Because he was just filled with love of the Bible, love of people, and he carried that with him as he fought um, for our rights, for civil rights, for equal rights. And this is something that he uh, taught us to fight with nonviolence, and he achieved incredible results that we all um, have achieved the benefits of today.
1: Now, that's an interesting theme because a lot of times people talk about the legislative component, the civil rights component. Mm-hmm. They want to revisit the, the, the Pettus Bridge incident and things like that, which are very important stories and the good trouble theme. But this whole understanding of the difference between joy and happiness, right? Like yes. This joy that I have, right? And when you see people who have been through so much but don't look like what they've been through, yep. I think it's a very important testimony for the younger generation who've adopted this whole mindset of this is where I'm from. Right, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and yes. it's like, well, you haven't been there in twenty years. Maybe you still have this this same bitterness and this same aggression and you know propensity for violence. Sometimes I talk to people, you know, who are grown and feel as though something they've been through should dictate and define who they are perpetually. And there are so many great examples of people who didn't let the evil get
15: in them, even if they had to fight their way through it. Yes, and his 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 belief was that no child is born in hate, hmm. and he did not let exactly. He did not let hatred define him. He did not let people take from him what he knew was the essential basis of love, which I think is powerful. There are many ways to fight, and he fought with love.
1: Now, online, where can they also get a copy of the book if they can't come down today?
15: Um, You can purchase from any of the Black-owned independent bookstores, of course, Bookshop, Amazon, and um, you can always visit my website, lisakleinransom.com. It's Lisa, L-E-S-A, Klein Ransom. Dot dot com. com yes
1: fighting with love the legacy of John Lewis no thank you so much for joining me here today thank you and also uh, open big oh, uh, one big open sky is another title I want you to look out for you know just sometimes they say in marketing you got to tell people three to five times yes, so, exactly. so they heard me say it then they get down here and see it they say I don't even know where I, I don't know what's it then somebody in line gonna say give me a copy of that you know one big open sky you know or or Harlem at four give me a copy of that Harlem at <laughs> four right if I say it four times in the course of the next two minutes you know <laughs> We can reach our quota. But shout out to you, brother. Tell me a little bit about this book and your participation. Uh,
16: this book is called Harlem at Four. and tells the great story of my daughter and I. Her name is Harlem, uh, named after the Harlem Renaissance. And when she turns four, she's able to talk about her great trips to the museums and whatnot but it also tells the story of the great black migration. It tells the story of Philip A. Payton, who was the so-called father of Harlem. He bought these two yeah. buildings in Harlem at the time in 1904 when blacks could not even live in Harlem. And those were the first two buildings that blacks could live into, could move into rather, which started the great black uh, migration from the South uh, to the North.
1: And I was talking about, um on the break for those who, you know, well, not here because you can't hear us because <laughs> we're talking about uh, the new book, the new movie, Origin, based right, on the book right, cast. Right. Isabel Wilkerson, you know, um, writer of The Warmth of Other Sons, the book right. about The Great Migration. That's and right. I talked earlier about these stories aren't being filled in all these various spaces. So you might have a collegiate level book, right. but you might not have a children's book That's and how correct. there's so much room for us. You know, the beauty of this moment, you know, right. despite what we've been through, is this opportunity to tell these stories. So
8: right. tell so me so Frank, a little bit
16: about it. So, so Frank Morrison, his illustrations, he's a great illustrator, his access to children's because he makes such great pictures. And these very complicated narratives about migration can be made simple by these amazing pictures by Frank Morrison It shows the power uh, of the visual image when done the way Mr. Morrison does here so effectively. Kids love this book.
1: No, it looks beautiful and it really captures the essence of the time period as well. Now, for people who are online, where can they get a copy?
16: Uh, Any any black bookstore has these, Uh, go to michaeldatcher.com. But any uh, black bookstore would have these books.
1: And thank you so much for joining me today and uh, look at me i'm just back to back you know this, this is like the, the the draft you know the nba draft and, they, they, and just when you think the action is slowing down they say no 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 next up right uh, mommy time uh, yep. monique james duncan and you're the author similar okay Yes, i got you uh, tell me. me a little bit about um mommy times i know i got a lot of moms and dads on the way here today to the convention
17: center and this mm-hmm. might be a, a title they'd enjoy reading together okay so this is one day in the life of a mother from the beginning of the day to the end of the day but it's all through the eyes of her little toddler boy how he sees his mother day um, happening so she's a stay-at-home mother so why I wrote this book is because I feel like uh, um, I felt that we needed a book that was an ode to motherhood an ode to black motherhood specifically so that's what this book um, is about.
1: Now, you have an accent. It sounds like you might be from New Jersey. You
17: know that. Uh-huh. No, no, darling. I am Caribbean. What part? What part? I'm from Dominica and Barbados. Mommy's from Barbados. Daddy's from Dominica. But oh. I say I'm Dominican, not Dominican Republic. The little... I got you. Okay. No, 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 no,
1: no, no. Uh-huh. I, I, I was, I was going to say, not the, not the I'm not black Dominican Republic. No, no, no. <laughs> we, are, know, we are, I know, I know. We
17: are, we are blackity black. And I know the difference. I'm proud. Yes. I'll I, I
1: never forget. I was working in the Fair Hill section of Philadelphia uh-huh. for the free schools in Philadelphia, Uh and we were having a conversation about African-Americans and Africans throughout the diaspora, right? It was an international conversation. Mm -hmm. And the young man was just so adamant. He wanted me to stop the class, and he wanted to let me know he was not black. Oh. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, but oh. you're darker. <laughs> yeah. What a shame. Black is so beautiful. I, I, you know, I didn't know what to say because I never. And and I said, and I asked, I said, where are you from? Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm from the Dominican Republic. You yeah. know. And then I learned later, you know, this was like a major thing, and you know, the statues and all the. And I said, oh wow, you know, this is a, a
17: conversation that we really need to have as a community and as a family. Right. You know? And it's the reason why. Um, festivals like this are important, and it 's the reason why books like this are important mm. because what that gentleman had what that young man had was self hate oh yeah, and this is why we write yes, so this particular book, really, what it is was um, having, the, having dealt with Trayvon Martin and you know the deaths of our young black people, I wanted to write a book that represented black motherhood, and in, throughout the book you 'll find um, it represents images that where this mother is using her time. Not as a mommy, not as a nanny, as we Mm. traditionally portray. Not the help. but Yes, not the help. But a mother who you see throughout the day is taking care of her children. She's giving her time to her family and to her children. The dad, the dad, like I said, in this particular book, she's a stay-at-home mom. But um, it all just represents motherhood in general, whether outside the home or inside of the home. But uh, this is what we do. And this is the toddler saying to the mother, thank you, I see you, and we love you for it. Which is very important because we hear a yes. lot about uh, postpartum depression and things like that and uh, absolutely. being underappreciated because everybody's thinking about yeah. capital and yep. not
1: actually you mm-hmm. know, the, the value of the
17: investment. Yeah. And even if it's this beautiful, sweet book, we have to understand that it is a form of protest, right? Mm, because mm. when we write books that show the love that we have for our children, it's saying to the naysayers, to the people who dehumanize oh, yeah. us as black people and black mothers, mm-hmm. that guess what? We're not gonna, we're not gonna be part of it. And so I wanted to. And online, before you go, where where could they look
1: online for the book?
17: Well, I mean, it's at Barnes and Noble. It's on Amazon.com. It's at all the. Um, you know, independent bookstores. Wherever stores, books are sold. Wherever books are sold. No,
1: thank you so much. Thank and you. And this time, uh, First Thing, First Dream. Am I saying it right? Yes, you are. Um, and you're the writer or the illustrator? The author, Crystal Parker. Crystal Parker. Parker. Yes. Tell me a little bit about this book, First Thing, First Dream. Interesting title.
6: Gotcha. First Things, First Dream was compiled of journals from my son's journal entry where um, he was 10 years old at the time. He's 13. He's there, Keelan. Um, I took his journal entries from 10 to 12 when he kind of left private school, the pandemic happened, so he Mm -hmm. did like um, private home learning, homeschool, and then his first day at a new public school, and he has ADHD, so just techniques and coping mechanisms that he used to get through his first day of school to make everything like a smooth process. Throughout the transition during the pandemic,
1: I thought it was interesting that everybody was talking about how impossible homeschooling was. It was hard. And then the pandemic before the pandemic, they acted like nobody could do could it. it. And then we all had to do it for, mm-hmm. for years. I thought that was really interesting. It's sort of like when they say we don't have any money when you ask for reparations or student debt, you know, repayment. Right. But then when there's a war or something going on, they say, "I found some money. money. I, found, uh-huh. I found some billions, Right. Yeah, it can so, happen, so. so um, in terms of a, a book like this, right? This is mm-hmm. born from such a personal space. What what type of child do you think could really benefit from this kind of story? Because I know a lot of people have these you know, unique mm, stories and they feel stories. like they don't see themselves you know, in most books. I think any
6: child can benefit from this book because it gives like coping mechanisms, affirmations, different affirmations she uses every morning. It gives pa- uh, parents resources to help their children that may be having an emotionality disorder or ADHD. Just resources. It gives resources within this book. Programs. Um, just tips on how to help your child if they do have a disorder or you know a learning disability and
1: online where could they get a copy if they're not coming today to the convention center for the 32nd annual children's book fair
6: got everywhere barnes and nobles amazon.com books a million it's at the liberation station in raleigh physical oh, okay. the, the San bookstore and it's everywhere Okay, shouts out.
1: Crystal Parker. Shouts out. Young man got the steady hand with that camera. You you got a future (laughs) with that. You know, my my joints used to be shaky. So, so.
6: Yeah, and you can follow him on Instagram. First things first. Dream on Instagram. I am the underscore official underscore Crystal with a K. On Instagram. Follow us.
1: First thing, first dream. Come on down and look out for the title. Also, hands. How will you use them? Hands. How will you use them? Uh, Tori. Maldonado. You got it. Uh, we talked before, right? We spoke before, yeah. Yeah, you know before, yeah. So I'm, I'm <laughs> it's trying good to see mind. you again. Yeah, I'm trying my best, man. Shouts out to TD Bank. Shouts out to Pico. Shouts out to WRD. And shouts out to Hands. You can get your copy today. Tell us a little bit about the story.
18: Yeah, um, Hands is a Philly story because okay. Rocky was set in Philly. Mm-hmm. And it's also a Brooklyn story. Um, I would describe Hands as the Karate Kid meets Creed meets Star Wars meets... Oh, I like meets that. Spider-Man, Miles Morales.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like the elevator pitch. You say, "Ah, you know, you got to connect to something they know.
18: Yeah. You know, I've been teaching for almost 30 years. Mm. And what I find is that a lot of young people, um, their lives are heavy. But they're given books that add to the heaviness of their lives. So one of the things I try to do is I try to write like so it feels right and so this book is 125 pages and a lot of young people say it feels like a movie Mm. and that it reads like a roller coaster
1: no, I like that. And it is interesting. Sometimes the, the very tool that's supposed to liberate and edify our young people are the books that disenfranchise them and burden them and sometimes stigmatize their identity because they talk about going to school,
18: and that's where they, that's where they had these experiences. Absolutely. You know, um, I got left back in the third grade. My mom, rest in peace, she hates when I t- say that I got left back in the third grade. But one of the reasons why I was left back in the third grade is because schools inside our neighborhood, Red Hook Projects, were Carmilla Anthony. Um, was born and raised and then moved to Baltimore well the the schools weren't weapons of of mass instruction they were weapons of mass destruction I don't know if it was intentional but if it definitely was structural that all of the books were white and if Mm. we were in the books um, we were either one of us or a side character or we were a caricature and I, I realized that and Life Magazine did this nine-page photo spread on Red Hook Projects. They called us the crack capital of the United States, one of the worst neighborhoods in the country. Mm. You know what? We were systematically disenfranchised as a community, and it was on purpose that we were unseen, unheard, and not centered. So my mom would always tell me since I was little, she said, you know, um, it's your job to make sure that our stories are seen, that we're heard, that mm-hmm. our community, the best and the brightest, and the whole kaleidoscope is shown. So that's what I try to do with my books.
1: No, that's what's up. Man. In terms of being online and finding the book, where where can they find the book online?
18: Um, the book, it could be found anywhere where books are sold. And you have um, social
1: media, too? Said social
18: that. media. Um, my name is ToriMaldonado.com. Um, you can go to my website, and okay. I'm on X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm on Instagram. That name, I'm never getting used to it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But shout out to you. Hands is the book. Again, Tori Maldonado. And make sure that you come down here to the convention center and, and send some other people. Because sometimes when you want like five things but can only afford one, then you got to send some other people to get the other stuff. You know, <laughs> Split the pocketbooks with other people. And at this time, I have the pleasure of talking with the one and only Natasha Anastasia Tarpley. And she has a book called I Love My Hair.
19: I think I'm familiar with this one. And what's this one here? Um, Well, I have a new series called uh, Kiana Loves. new series called Kiana Loves. Um, And there's Kiana Loves Her Family and Kiana Loves Her Friend. And so both of these are related to my book I Love My Hair, which has been around for over 20 years. and still going strong. It's a book that... Um, is nationally recognized mm-hmm. in schools and libraries, so um, you may have actually seen this in your school, your classroom. Oh, no, I remember <laughs> seeing that one. Yeah. That's
1: beautiful. That, that you're, you're still still going strong with the creativity, so tell
19: me a little bit about what, what spawned this series. Well, it was just like what your last uh, guest was saying, Tori. I wanted to create a space where we celebrate the everyday moments in our lives and in our families and really prioritize the joy that we experience as opposed to some of the Uh, negative negativity that we see uh, in from the external world so in this series uh, Kiana is a creative young woman she has a lot of big ideas Um, and Kiana loves her family she does a family movie night which doesn't go as planned but the family comes together and makes it wonderful And in Kiana Loves Her Friend, she has a wonderful best friend. And it's all about friendship and how sometimes you can have a a really close friend, but maybe things change a little bit um, and how you can come together again as friends. Kiana loves. That's the series,
1: and of course, for people you know who are familiar with the "I Love My Hair," it's good to have a generational connection, right? So right. now you can get a copy of a book that you had growing up, and also uh, play a part in the continuation of the the creativity as well and the artistry. So thank you so much, thank you know, you. for being a part of this. And I just appreciate all of these authors and illustrators today. If you're just tuning in, you're listening live. We are here at the 32nd annual. Uh, children's book fair at the convention center it is amazing and it is a place you want to be we will get started officially in a matter of moments i was going to say i was going to say at one o'clock and the program starts at 120 but i see that we are creeping up on that time so at this time we're going to take a quick break and come back on the other side i'm aaron smith the rapping professor here at the convention center live where you are on your way to hopefully or sending somebody in your place and you are learning with words, (laughs) y'all
0: No, what's the word boy what's the word what's the word w-u-r-d progressive black talk media
1: 900 AM, 96.1 FM, WURD, Aaron Smith, the rapping professor at the Convention Center. We are here. It's a holiday today. It is the 32nd annual Children's Book Fair at the Convention Center, and we have the privilege of, of being in the company of great authors and great illustrators, and at this time, I'm here with the one and only... David Miller. I was checking to make sure that that's who I was talking to before I did it. You know, uh, Ida B. The Beekeeper is the book. Ida B. The Beekeeper. And, oh, I remember this one because I love the artwork in this. I remember Gabe and his green thumb. I I had to remember that I was on the radio. They were like, which one is it, Professor? Uh, Brooklyn's Finest. Talk to me a little bit about these titles and again, remind
20: me of who does the artwork because I was always so taken. So the artist is CJ Love, a young brother out of Baltimore. I write because I want to inspire children and families, and I want children and families to dream. Mm. And I think too often, I grew up in the city of Baltimore, too often the narrative, it's a deficit narrative about black children and black families. And so when you look ahead of us, you see black folk lined up to come into the Philadelphia Convention Center to buy books. And so I just think that we have to create a climate where where we can get these books to our children so they can continue to dream, grow, and thrive.
1: Hmm. Now, now tell me a little bit about your own journey and how you first even came into the space of being an author and things like that to, to inspire others.
20: So um, reading saved my life in, in Baltimore as an undergraduate student at Morgan State University. My best friend was at Morehouse. He was shot and killed standing next to me. And so books were the single greatest um, anchor in my life. Hmm. And because my parents always surrounded me with books, even after the tragedy, it really saved my life. I mean, there was a time when I even would hook school and go to the library because I was so in love with books. And then I discovered, you know, um, the autobiography of Malcolm X. I discovered Franz Fanon's work in the 12th grade. I discovered Marcus Garvey's work. And so I really believe that books can be a, a tremendous change agent in the lives of children and can shape their worldview.
1: Now, for people that want to log on online and buy some of these
20: books, where do they go? IamDavidMiller.com.
1: IamDavidMiller.com. Thank you so much for joining me today here at the convention center. And shouts out to TD Bank. Shouts out to Pico and all the great partners, AARP, and everybody helping to make this possible with WURD. And at this time, together we swim, written by Valerie Bowling. Together we swim. Tell me a little bit about about this book. <laughs>
21: Yes, this book is about a young boy who learns to swim with the support and guidance of his mother. You can see on the cover the connection between the two. So not only is it about learning a, an, a very important lifetime skill, but there's that emotional connection there as well.
1: So what, what made you write about swimming when people always say that, as a people, they say, you know, we don't swim. You know, they always try to put these false narratives and these, these deficit narratives. So what made you go into this space particularly and write a book like this?
21: Sure. Well, first of all, that is a false narrative. People, black people, have been swimming for years, for centuries. We have, we're, we're natural swimmers. And so I wanted to combat that narrative. I wanted people to see that not only is swimming But it's an important life skill, according to the CDC. Black children are seven times more likely to die from from drowning Mm. in a pool. Um, So it's very important that they know how to swim. This is also I I wrote about this because there's a precursor to this book called Together We Ride, and in that the father is teaching his daughter how to ride a bike so I wanted to which is also a great skill because learning how to ride means that we're able to transport ourselves Mm -hmm. to places we don't need to know how to drive but we can get around it gives us access and it's the same thing with swimming when we swim we have access to you know different activities. You and may you, go from. You all have access to scuba. come down
1: here today. Since we're running short on time, I'll make sure the people get on their way. And online, where can they get a copy?
21: They can get it wherever books are sold.
1: I, sh- I need to be a button wherever books are sold. So yes. Shouts out to you. Thank you so much. We also have uh, the good brother Clarence A. Hayes. Clarence A. Hayes. Um, Oh, yeah, I remember reading about this a little bit when they did a press release.
22: Yes, you yes. Know, Omar Epps
1: was doing some, some, some press runs. So talk to me about Nubia uh, the Awakening and Nubia the Reckoning.
22: So, uh, hey everyone, I'm Clarence A. Haynes. I'm the co-author uh, with uh, actor-producer Omar Epps of uh, the YA sci-fi fantasy series Nubia the Awakening and Nubia the Awa- uh, Nubia the Awakening and Nubia the Reckoning. It's set in a futuristic New York that's been greatly altered by climate change, and um, it focuses on a group of young people who are of African descent called Nubians who are, come from a mysterious island and awaken to powers that they wouldn't know that they would have. It deals with real world social issues, dealing with everything from class division, as I said climate change, and also um, uh, drugs being pumped into black communities. Um, so oh we wanted gosh. to deal with real gritty stuff along with Yeah, you're with keeping the, it real real. We keep it real real. Um, that's how Omar and I do, and, along with um, uh, fantastic um, stuff that we hope will appeal to both young and adult readers.
1: Now, has Hollywood been knocking?
22: <laughs> um, I let Omar, Mr. Epps, handle that. Um, I, I, I consistently tell him I'm the book person. I, I do everything I can to help promote and spread the word about the series. But he's, I'll, all I'll say for now is he's um, working on that. Um, so, um, and, and
1: online, where can they get the, get the
22: Everywhere copy? books are sold. Books and are sold. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Clarence A. Haynes. I speak about this book all the time. Happy to engage.
1: Shouts out to you! Thank you for your your sound bite potential there, and keeping it short and sweet, and seeing that we're pressed for time like that. Come on down! We're about to get started, y'all. We almost—it's like when they go to um, 106 and Park does the pre-show for the awards show. You know, they'd be like, you know, it's 10 minutes till the showtime, and they had the axe "Come on!" and everything like that. So, uh, your voice, your vote. Uh, by Leah Henderson, tell me a little bit about about this
23: book. Okay, it's wonderful to be here. This is a picture book, and it is all about voting, and it's about a little girl and her grandmother and her mother who are headed to the polls for the day and it's all the things that happen along the way and it's all about why it is important to cast your vote and use your voice. Well, shout out to you and tell me a little bit about how you
1: began your journey of civic engagement in terms of knowledge about the importance of voting and being enfranchised in that way.
23: I think it all started when I was young with my parents and going to whether it was marches, whether it was talks, whether it was going to just sites where important things happened in the world and learning about them. That's kind of where I got my start with it. I can't say that I always appreciated what we were going to see. When we went to go see it. But as I got older, I realized the importance of just having that in the back pocket of my brain.
1: Now, in terms of young people, what, what do you think is the main message that they need? Because a lot of times we don't have civics in the schools anymore. Right. So in a book like this, if you want to encapsulate it in, in like one sentence, what, what do they need to know about themselves and their potential in the voting process?
23: I think one of the things that we just never really think about is every single vote is important. Mm -hmm. And it's important on a local level, especially because it's going to define what's happening in our communities. And so as a young person to get involved really early, even before you can vote, you're going to see the things that voting affects that the people that we elect into, into different positions, what they will be doing for us. And so for young kids, it's some of their first opportunities opportunities to even understand what that's all about. And uh, and thank you so much for joining. Leah Henderson in the book, one more time, Your Voice,
1: Your Vote. Absolutely. And at this time, Jelani's Key.
24: uh, there we go.
1: Jelani's Key. D. Amari Jackson, tell me a little bit about this book.
24: Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank Uh, you. Jelani's Key is a story of an 11-year-old African-American brother from the inner city. And uh, he is dealing with the loss of his grandfather. Uh, But the grandfather, who he calls Tata, uh, before he uh, died left Jelani with a mysterious golden key and also a uh, message, a kind of cryptic message to quote-unquote find Karak Avin. And so basically Jelani uh, has to now go on an adventure to try to find out what this golden key goes to and also what this mysterious long African mer- um, uh, word sounds like mm-hmm. and what it means. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Now what's the age group that you usually target? Because this, this books it doesn't seem like it's a really big difficult book, but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a young, young children's book. So what's the target demographic?
24: It's actually middle grade readers, which is roughly okay. this case, we'd say from about 8 to about 14 years old. Yeah.
1: Okay, and online where do they go they want to get some They're go
24: to Jelani'sKey.com which is spelled J-E-L-A-N-I-S-K-E-Y dot com, Jelani'sKey.com Jelani's
1: no, thank you so much, and thank you for being on your way today. For all the people that are listening to the broadcast, WRD, we 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 starting it up. This is the pregame, you know, that's what they call it, the pre pregame, you know. But instead of your your typical pregame festivities, we have books, you know. <laughs> so, don't come down here, know the different kind of pregame. Rachel, shouts out to to uh, Judge Kim. Oh, I like title already, you know. You, you, breaking stereotypes and all that good stuff, right? Like lava in my veins, mm-hmm. and the uh, Judge Kim and the court. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about. Uh, all, all these great titles and then your participation in the production Okay. Uh, uh, this, okay. This, this, this
25: work. All right. Well, that was a smooth segue. You just went right from... So. Okay. Hey, well, I'm Sean Martin, bro. I'm an author and an artist. This is my first time at the African-American Children's Book Fest and I'm fair and I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I typically do a lot of work in comics so i I do a lot of work for dc comics marvel comics and this is my first foray into kids books so the first book i got we have here i'm a co-author judge kim and this is uh done this is written with my uh co-authors milo stone joseph village and it's illustrated by christopher jordan this is all about a little black girl judge named judge kim so basically judge kim goes to school with her mom who's a judge one day and watches how her mom You know, uh, adjudicates cases and listens to evidence. And when she goes back home in the neighborhood and the kids have a fight, she tells the kids, wait, don't fight, don't have a beef. Let's take this up to my treehouse, present the evidence to me, and I'll figure out the case. Oh, nice, nice. So we thought that would be a really great way to sort of teach kids and their families about the law in a fun way. So we pitched it to Simon & Schuster as Judge Judy meets the Little Rascals.
1: No, and I I often... um i don't often see people talk about the conflict mediation in conjunction with the legislative process because it's such an adversarial relationship so it's good to see how the law can be used in the right hands
25: Uh, to solve problems listen i'm a huge i watch a lot of lawyer shows so i'm like la law law and order the practice i let and all that stuff and when i talked about it with a lawyer friend of mine she's like that's not how the law works Mm -hmm. and so it really made me think about your average person does not know how the law works and lawyers run the country they run the world and so that's why I thought that since I'm a storyteller and I'm used to selling a story for kids and actually for young adults how can I use that to teach kids and their families about the law and actually about how to like you said resolve conflict
1: no, no, definitely. Especially now more than ever. And the representation component mm-hmm. of just having a black woman judge and planting these seeds of representation in children, you know, minds as early as possible to believe that they can be, you know, the, the next people sitting on the, you know, on the bench, you know, the next Katanchis, right? Exactly. We need, need, need more of that. Exactly. People believe
25: they can do it. So. Exactly. And the way and the way not to be taken advantage, to not get taken advantage about the law is to understand how it works.
1: No, I appreciate your participation here today and online. Where can they find the books? Oh, okay, but
25: wait, we got it we got the other book here.
1: Oh like lava <laughs> yeah. in my veins. There you go. Yeah, like fire. Shut up in my
25: bones. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, this is a book that I illustrated with Derek. It's written by Derek Barnes, who's an award-winning best-selling author. Uh, and this is our book, it's, it's um, our first collaboration, but this is like his 17th kid's book. This is all about a kid named Bobby Beacon, who's got fire powers, and whenever he gets upset, he bursts into flames. So when he goes to a school and finally right, meets the right type of teacher who gives him t- you know time and guidance, mm-hmm. he learns how to control his power. And so along the way, he meets other kids there in the school, and it's a really great book really that teaches kids, again, how to sort of control their anger and their conflict yeah no it's really cool
1: especially for my superhero fans right like if you're a fan of the marvel universe and things like that just to give people an idea that there's something here for you as well because some people might think it's only just like educational books or history books but no no, these are you know, really interesting, powerful, exciting stories. Again, like lava in my veins and you don't usually see a young black superhero like this, you know, with the special powers. So I think it's really cool that you're, you know, really targeting the the young people, not just in terms of who's going to read the book but who's the focus, you know, of these stories as well. So, shouts out to you. Thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for all the great authors and all the great illustrators and thank you to all the people on their way down here because I know this is going to be an event that you will not regret coming to. This is always a special event. I see the young people with a a spark, you know, in their eyes and a pep in their step, and that's the way you want to see them looking inspired and energized, especially when it comes to education and being energized about learning. The leaders of tomorrow are the readers of today, and it's up to us to plant these seeds that will grow to transform not just the young people that will visit and the families they participate in building in the communities that they help to hold up, but also the world that they are going to change and to lead to Tomorrow, I am the rapping professor here at the convention center where you are on your way to leave with a bunch of books. You spend a lot of money at Gucci. You spend a lot of money when you go to Chick-fil-A. You spend a lot. You better come down here and don't, don't come with no book bank account. And you come with the same bank account you come when you buy all that stuff that destroys it. No, let me stop. Aaron Smith, the rapping professor, W R D, and you are learning with word y'all. All right.